Welcome to podcast episode 184. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of VHAA. Joining me for this week's discussion is workplace relations consultant and member of the query team, Bree Marinia. Welcome, Bree. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Bree, you know the drill by now. We've got a clue. It's a picture that's appearing up on screen, and it's a picture of a person. Um, do you recognize that person? Yes, I, this is a clue that I can actually get. I know that is um, Kate Jenkins. She's our Sex Discrimination Commissioner. Former member of the Victorian uh, Equal Opportunity Commission and po possibly the busiest person uh, in the world right now. Yeah. A very, very busy person. Uh, and based on my clue, what would you say the subject for today's discussion is? Well, I know uh, she's just released a massive, massive report called the Respect at Work um, Sexual Harassment National Inquiry Report. So I can only guess that we're going to be talking about sexual harassment and um, work-related gendered violence. That is correct. But I'll just make the point that that report was released a year ago. Uh, it's more that it's um, getting uh, its attention uh, now. Um, but yes, so that is our subject for today. And this report, so what did it recommend? Uh, so in terms of that report, it talks about a new model that improves coordination and consistency between uh, existing anti-discrimination, employment and work, health and safety legislative schemes. It made 55 individual recommendations to achieve that goal. And unfortunately, we can't discuss all 55 of these recommendations in detail, but are there any that stand out as being particularly relevant to our members? Amongst others, key recommendations included that the federal legislation be amended to impose a positive duty on all employers to take reasonable and proportionate measures to eliminate, eliminate sex discrimination, sexual harassment and victimization as far as possible. Secondly, the fair work system be reviewed to ensure and clarify that sexual harassment is expressly prohibited. And thirdly, uh, sexual harassment to be properly recognized as a work health and safety issue and for guidance to be developed for a code of conduct. And what's happened since this report was released and these recommendations were made? Well, so I think it was about March of last year that it was originally released and there was the somewhat uh, significant intervening factor of the pandemic. So there was a delay in responding and to implementing any agreed recommendations. So almost a, well, basically a year later, the federal government completed their response to respect at work. Prime Minister announced that all 55 recommendations had been agreed to in whole, in part or in principle. So starting with that first key recommendation we mentioned, that mm. the federal legislation be amended to impose a positive duty on all employers to take reasonable and proportionate measures to eliminate sex discrimination, sexual harassment and victimisation as far as possible. How did the government respond? So just in terms of that conceptually, that's not a new idea. Uh, the government notes or noted that under uh, the model workplace health and safety laws, employers have a duty to ensure that all persons in the workplace, including workers, are not exposed to health and safety risks so far as reasonably practicable. And that includes the risk of being sexually harassed. So does this recommendation also conflict with Victorian OHS and anti-discrimination laws? I don't think so. So employers, employees and others have specific duties relating to work-related gendered violence, including work-related sexual harassment under the uh, Occupational Health and Safety Act and the Equal Opportunity Act. So what are the employer's duties under the Occupational Health and Safety Act? 
So under the Occupational Health and Safety Act 2004, employers must provide and maintain a work environment that is safe and without risk to the health of their employees so far as reasonably practical. Employers must eliminate or reduce risks to health and safety, provide and maintain safe systems of work and give employees the necessary information, instruction, training or supervision to do their jobs safely and without risks to health. Employers must also ensure that so far as is reasonably practicable, uh, people other than employees are not exposed to risks to their health and safety arising from the business. And what are the employer's obligations under the Equal Opportunity Act? So under the Equal Opportunity Act, employers have a duty not to engage in discrimination or sexual harassment and to take reasonable steps to eliminate these behaviours. So noting these existing duties, what's the government's response to the report's recommendation to introduce another positive duty on employers under federal legislation? So as part of its response, the government has noted the positive duty under existing laws and, uh, and given the report's findings that the current system for addressing workplace sexual harassment is already complex and confusing for victims and employers to navigate, the government has said that it's going to assess whether those uh, amendments would create further complexity, uncertainty or duplication in that overarching legal framework. Right. So turning to the second key recommendation that the fair work system be reviewed to ensure and clarify that sexual harassment is expressly prohibited how's the government responded yeah it has so the government will amend section 387 of the fair work act to clarify that sexual harassment can be conduct amounting to a valid reason for dismissal when determining whether a dismissal was harsh and just and reasonable I think that clarification will not be a surprise to anyone who's familiar with that territory. Uh, the government will also amend the definition of serious misconduct in the Fair Work uh, regulations to include sexual harassment. Again, I think for practitioners, um, that's that's not a surprise. It's not unhelpful to have an express provision, um, but it really doesn't ch change the status quo that much. Mm. So how does this impact employers? So the specific and express reference to sexual harassment in the definition of serious misconduct, I think will clarify for some uh, that the type of behaviour within the workplace can justify dismissal without notice. But as I said, uh, I think it confirms the status quo uh, for many. And the last key recommendation to discuss that sexual harassment be properly recognised as a work health and safety issue and for guidance to be developed for a code of conduct. What was the government's response to this? So the government noted that Safe Work Australia had uh, already developed and published its national guidance material on preventing workplace sexual harassment under the model work health and safety laws. Which is a valuable resource for employers, but is there guidance from Safe Work's Victorian counterpart? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be of interest to members. So WorkSafe Victoria have just published their guide for employers in the last month, work-related gendered violence, including sexual harassment. And what does this guide cover? So the guide covers legal duties relating to work-related gendered violence and work-related sexual harassment under the Occupational Health and Safety Act and the Equal Opportunity Act. It also contains information about what work-related gendered violence and work-related sexual harassment are, with examples of what these behaviours might look like, who's at risk and how it affects people, approaches to preventing work-related gendered violence, and systems for responding to work-related gendered violence. And how does the guide define work-related gendered violence? Yeah, that's a really good point. So that's a term that people may hear but may not yet understand. It's something that is, has gained prominence. So work-related gendered violence is any behaviour directed at a person uh, or that affects a person because of their sex, gender or sexual orientation or because they do not adhere to socially prescribed gender roles that creates a risk 
to health and safety. And does the guide define socially prescribed gender roles? It does. Uh, so they're defined as society's traditional ideas about how men and women should uh, look or act, what characteristics they should have, or their roles in the workplace, home, or public life. So what can work-related gender violence include? It can range from uh, in severity from comments and gestures through to uh, criminal actions such as sexual assault. So examples include verbal abuse, offensive language, ostracism or exclusion, and being undermined in a role or position. The guide provides a range of specific examples. And notably, employers should be aware that work-related gendered violence is not confined to just employee-to-employee -employee interactions. I think this is a really critical point for our sector. Uh, so people can be exposed to work-related gendered violence from managers and co-workers and contractors, but also site visitors, clients, members of the public, uh, people to, you know, that come into contact with employees at a health service or a community health centre. And the guide also highlights an important distinction between direct and indirect gendered violence. In, in much the same way as the Equal Opportunity Act makes that same distinction. So it does. Work-related gendered violence can be experienced indirectly. A person may experience uh, gendered violence that's not targeted specifically at them, such as through overhearing a conversation that affects them or witnessing violence directed at someone else. And the guide outlines that sexual harassment is a common form of gendered violence. What is sexual harassment? So that takes us to Section 92 of the Equal Opportunity Act. A, a person sexually harasses another person if he or she makes an unwelcome sexual advance or an unwelcome request for sexual favours to the other person or engages in any other unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature in relation to the other person in circumstances in which a reasonable person having regard to all the circumstances would have anticipated that the other person would be offended, humiliated or intimidated. And how does this description shift to work-related sexual harassment? So work-related sexual harassment is sexual harassment as described and uh, directed at a person that can happen at work, work-related events or between people sharing the same workplace. So work-related sexual harassment isn't always um, uh, repeated or continuous. It can be a one-off incident and can involve amongst other actions, unwanted or unwelcome, touching, staring or leering, suggestive comments or jokes, repeated invitations to go out on dates, intrusive questions about a person's private life or body, unnecessary contact, such as deliberately brushing up against a person, insults or taunts uh, based on sex or gender, sexually explicit emails, text messages, or social media activity. Uh, are there any work-related factors that can contribute to the risk of work-related gendered violence? Yeah, the guide lists a number of factors, including power being distributed unequally among gendered lines. For example, workplaces where men control positions of power and or women are in vulnerable positions in the labor market, uh, where there's a culture of sexism, uh, homophobia, and norms that support gendered violence and uh, workplaces where violent or aggressive behaviour is supported, accepted and, and rewarded. So the risk of gendered violence uh, can also be affected by the type of work being done, work systems, and even the physical environment of the workplace. So how can employers help prevent work-related gendered violence? It's really like any other occupational health and safety risk. Prevention includes employers identifying hazards, assessing risks, implementing measures to eliminate or control the risks, reviewing the effectiveness of control measures and ensure that they're working and improving them where needed. 
So does the guide suggest ways an employer can identify hazards and assess risks in this context? So it goes into significant detail, but one point worth mentioning is that employers can gather information by monitoring material like performance appraisals and patterns of absentees and work cover claims, hazard and incident reports. Um, that is, don't rely only on formal reports of gendered violence incidences. A lack of reports doesn't mean that incidents are not happening. It may simply mean that people are not reporting incidents because they don't know how or uh, won't feel safe or supported to do so. And once these hazards are identified and risks are assessed, what can employers do to prevent work-related gendered violence? So these hazards need to be removed or minimised uh, as far as is reasonably practicable. Uh, the guide highlights that one very effective method is to establish and maintain safe and inclusive workplace cultures and systems where disrespect isn't tolerated. How can employers establish a safe and inclusive culture? So I'm mindful that this is an area where health services and community health centres have done a lot of work. Um, one way can be to have effective behaviour policies and procedures that clearly outline expectations, describe unacceptable behaviours and state uh, that, that action will be taken to protect employees. And if an incident of work-related gendered violence does occur, what does WorkSafe suggest as an appropriate response? So the guide states that responses to work-related gendered violence will vary depending on the nature and severity of the incident, but employers should respond quickly and appropriately. Systems should be in place that guide what to do at the time of and immediately after an incident. And what should a response system include? So a response system should address immediate safety issues, medical treatment notifications required by external agencies, such as police, fire, ambulance and WorkSafe, internal reporting, engagement and support services and referrals. Should employers conduct regular training? I think that's critical. Uh, incident response policies and procedures should be supported by training to ensure that employees are familiar with them. Managers and supervisors should be trained in handling disclosures of gendered violence incidences uh, in ways that ensure that the complainant does not experience further harm from making a complaint. Now, following the government's response to the Respect at Work report, what's next on the agenda to combat work-related gendered violence? So uh, the federal government will convene a national summit on women's safety, which will begin on July 29, as part of preparing an updated national plan on preventing violence against uh, women and children. So we'll look out for that. And have we got any other advice for members? Yeah, I think given all that's happening in this space, that the one piece of advice having regard for the new WorkSafe guidance and everything else is plan to review your harassment framework and, and subsequent training. This is the right time to review policies, reporting and monitoring mechanisms and to refresh training uh, with, with staff. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks so much, Bree.